الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome back to the beginning of Guidance podcast series This is our 20th episode, Alhamdulillah And today we are doing part 2 of Delight Us By It Ya Bilal Arihna Biha Ya Bilal This is the second of our podcasts specifically focusing on Imam Ghazali's explanation of the prayer Inshallah, we will begin with the dua of Imam Haddad for seeking knowledge. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma inni nawaitu ta'alamu wa ta'alim wa tathakura wa tathkir wa nafa' wal intifa' wal ifada wal istifada wal hatha ala tamassuki bi kitabillahi wa sunnati rasulih wa dua ila al-huda wa dalalata ala al-khair ابتغاء وجه الله ومرضاته وقربه وثوابه سبحانه وتعالى آمين Please go to our Instagram page at MiskWomen where you will find the translation of that dua inshallah and if you haven't yet joined us on our private Facebook group MiskWomen Halaka then ahlan wa sahlan you're most welcome to come and join us there inshallah Today we go into the outward performance of the prayer. So last time, the last episode, we looked at the inner state of the heart that's necessary for a person to try and get themselves into before they commence the prayer. And now we're going to look and take it step by step how we actually perform the prayer. Imam Ghazali begins and he says, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. فَإِذَا أَقَمْتَ فَنْوِي بِقَلْبِكَ أَدَاءَ فَرُضِي ظُهْرِ لِلَّهِ تَعَالَى He says once your heart is present and that you are standing correctly, dressed correctly in the proper state of purification as he has explained, then do not omit the call to commence even if you are alone. So if the adhan has gone or the adhan has not gone and you are not in the mosque for example, um, this could be for men or women, then don't forget to call the iqama for the commencement of the prayer. Now, wherever women are, they don't call the adhan, okay? But women do call the iqama. So if you're at home or with a group of other women, then somebody can call the iqama when you're all standing there ready to pray, and then the person who's acting as the imam will then commence the prayer. Imam Ghazali uses the example of the Dhuhr prayer here, but when we make our intention, then we need to specify which prayer we are doing, whether it is a farad or whether it is a sunnah or a nafil prayer, and whether or not we are the imam, the person leading, or the ma'muma, the one who is following. So, for example, we would say, Inni nawaitu an asalliya farad salat dhuhri arba raka'at lillahi ta'ala so I intend to pray the farad obligatory prayer of Dhuhr for rakahs for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ma'mumatan, the person who is following. It's very important in the Shafi Madhab that your intention to pray lasts for the duration of when you say Allahu Akbar to commence the prayer. 
and that your intention does not leave. So Imam Ghazali says, La ta'zub anka niyatu qabla al-faraghi min takbir So it mustn't leave you or be absent ever from you, that's your niyyah, your intention, before you have finished or completed the actual takbir. Allahu Akbar. The other part of the takbir is the raising of your hands. And this is most important that you get this right and that they get in the right position. So when a person raises their hands to say Allahu Akbar, the palm of the hands are facing forward and they come in front of the shoulders and the tip of the fingers should be at about the level of the earlobes. So they shouldn't be so low that they're around your waist, nor should they be so high that they come above your head. But they need to be opposite your shoulders and in that position inshallah you raise them up and you say Allahu Akbar and at that time your intention is in your heart for what prayer it is as we've just described the raising of your hands in the takbir is also a motion which symbolizes pushing the dunya back behind you and away from your heart and your mind and it said that we all have a nasib of Allah's presence so all of us take a portion of being in the presence in the hadra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for the Muslim that is in the prayer so what a blessing for us five times at least if we just do our obligatory and more depending on how many sunnahs and extra prayers that we do how many times a day do we get to exclusively raise our hands, push that dunya away from our hearts and our minds and enter into the divine presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with purified limbs, with a purified intention and knowing that we're engaging in this most sanctified and pure form of worship. And this is the joy and the bliss that comes from the prayer five times a day. People can think, oh gosh, I could never do that. How could I ever organize my time to pray five times a day? But when a person knows what they're doing, then they actually yearn for the next prayer time to come because that's when you get to remove yourself to the only extent possible from this dunya while you are in it and bring yourself through your action into the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where he is gazing upon your heart and where you are fulfilling your real purpose in life which is to worship him and inshallah there is nothing greater than that and that is the real blessing of the prayer if only we knew inshallah may Allah open our hearts and minds and give us the full realization of that inshallah then Imam Ghazali says that you lower your hands after you've made your takbir you lower your hands to below your chest on the left hand side so for a woman that would be sort of under the left breast over your heart and he says, Which means, and honor the right hand by placing it over the left hand. And there's a particular way, a particular sunnah way that you hold your hand. So you put your right hand over the wrist of your left hand and your forefinger and middle finger are on the top of the left wrist and your thumb and your ring finger and little finger are to the extent possible wrapped around the underside of the wrist and not touching because most people couldn't do that anyway unless you've got really tiny wrists but they are pointing towards each other underneath with the two fingers on the top just spaced naturally and comfortably apart 
and so the hands should be on that left side and they should be placed comfortably there with a slight leaning to the left so obviously not in the middle of your chest because your heart's not there but leaning over towards the left which is where the heart is then the dua for iftita the dua for opening the prayer is read and this has really beautiful meanings so i'd like to uh, translate what's here for you and give you the explanation that our great commentator Imam al-Jawi has provided for us here. May Allah raise his rank eternally inshallah and allow us always to benefit from him. So after the takbir, after you've placed your hands in the correct position and then you say Allahu Akbar kabiran walhamdulillahi kathira wa subhanallahi bukratan wa asila. That's the first part. And it means Allah is most great. Praise be to Allah in abundance and glory be to Allah morning and evening. Then recite Wajahtu wajahiya lilladhi fatarah samawati wal ard hanifan musliman wa ma ana mina mushrikeen inna salati wa nusuki wa mahyaya wa mamati لله رب العالمين لا شريك له وبذلك أمرت وأنا من المسلمين. I've turned my face to the one who created the heavens and earth in submission as a pure monotheist, and I am not of those who associate others with him. Indeed, my prayer, my worship, my life, and my death are for Allah Most High, Lord of the worlds, who has no partner. Thus have I been commanded. And I am of those who submit. Now Imam Mujawi tells us some interesting things here. And when you say in the dua, وَجَّهْتُ وَجَهِيَ لِلَّذِي فَطَرَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ That I turn my face to the one who has created the heavens and the earth. Imam Mujawi tells us you're not just or really turning your face. Because already your face is literally facing the qibla, the direction of prayer. The face that's being discussed here is the face of your heart. It's your, the direction, the tawajjuh, the orientation of your heart that's being turned now in your prayer to the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he says about the word hanifan, because hanif actually means pure. So when we talk about the deen of Sayyidina Ibrahim, and the deen of Hanif, we're talking about the pure monotheistic deen or pure monotheistic belief and practice. And here it's used grammatically as a hal, as a state. So when you turn your face to the creator, Hanifan Muslima, then you're actually turning in a particular state of purity, which Imam Jawi tells us is ma'ilan an kulli deenin ila deen al-Islam. So he says it's inclining away from every religion and in the inclination away from the other religion, it's inclining towards the religion of Islam. So your purity there is in that. So it's turning away and turning towards. Then when he says that in salati wa nusuki wa mahyaya wa mamati, so indeed my prayer and my worship and my life and my death are all connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La sharika la, he has no partner. Wa meaning a person's tawheed, and their salah, and their acts of worship, 
uh, what he has been commanded to do, and then you state, and I am of those who submit. And if it is that you come to the prayer late, and the imam has already started, then it's better for you to not read that du'a, just in case you miss the rakah, so you should go straight into wherever the imam is, so you needn't worry about it. But if you do get the chance to read that du'a in your own prayer or in a congregation, then you should definitely do that. Also, Imam Ghazali tells us in here that when you turn to your creator with the face of your heart, that you actually need to question yourself and look at yourself and say, where am I in my heart? Because many of us raise our hands and we do everything the way we should do outwardly, but our mind immediately goes to what are we going to cook tonight and uh, mustn't forget to pick up the kids and, oh, I forgot to get the salt when I went out and what am I going to wear on the weekend? So straight away our minds go to all the things that we don't need to worry about at that time. But of course that's one of the tricks of the shaitan is to get us thinking about all those things. And inshallah we need to be aware of that and try and overcome those thoughts and realize this facing of our heart towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, then Imam Ghazali tells us to say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanur Rajeem. So to make that and to say it silently at the beginning of every rak'ah, because to say that is a part of the reading of the Quran. Then you go into reading Surah Al Fatiha, and it's most important here, Bitashti Datiha, which means with every shadda. So, Asirat and so wherever there is a double letter which is indicated by the shadda, which is that little W-looking sign above one of the letters, that you actually read that fully because that's two letters. It's a double letter. And so if you don't read that completely, then you've actually dropped a letter, which would mean that your reading of the Fatiha is incorrect. And he mentions specifically that a person needs to strive to distinguish between their pronunciation of al-dad and al-dha because in many of the accents or the dialects of the Arabs these two letters often get replaced or uh, used for the other and that's particularly so in the Gulf dialects and in common speech in daily speech and even in casual types of writing in WhatsApp messages and things like that, then, for example, a, a word like hudur will be written and pronounced as hudur with the dha instead of the dot. So this is interesting that Imam Ghazali said that so many centuries ago and it's very much something that exists now. So a person needs to be careful that they've pronounced the Fatiha correctly and if you have not learnt it properly from a teacher um, or from somebody who knows how to read it, then please do. And that's a really, really important part of your prayer. And if it is that you get that right, inshallah, then your salah will be valid and accepted, inshallah, because if your Fatiha is incorrect, with the intention of reading it incorrectly or with the intention of changing the meaning, then it is immediately invalidated. And if a person doesn't know, then you have the responsibility to find out and perfect it, inshallah. Imam Ghazali tells us to say, Amin, which means, Oh Allah, accept, because half of that is a dua. So when you say, Amin, then you are beseeching Allah to accept what you have just read and then the other half of it is the answer so 
You're asking Allah to answer that for you and to accept, inshallah. And also you should leave a gap between saying the end of Surah Al-Fatiha, then say, Ameen. And not to read them together, no, that's not correct. So you need to beautify the prayer with the correct pauses where the pauses need to be and that is one of them. As for reading out loud, then there is a voiced reading for the Fajr prayer, Maghrib and Isha. And you should read out loud at that time. And even if you are making up those prayers, for example, you didn't pray them and you're making them up during the day, then you should also read them out loud during the day if you're making them up. Imam Ghazali recommends for us what are the appropriate surahs to read after we've read Surah Al-Fatiha. And he says that in the morning, uh, Surah Al-Fajr, then you should read the longer surahs and those which are called min al-mufassal. So these, this group of surahs begins from Surah Al-Hujarat and go until Surah Al-Naba'a. So if you have memorized anything from those surahs, it's recommended to read those in the morning completely or if you can, a part of it. And for example, that would be like Surah Al-Mursalat. And then in Maghrib, in the evening, then you read Min Qisarihi. So from the short surahs of the Qur'an. And that is from Surah Al-Duha until the end of the Qur'an. And for Dhuhr and Asr and Isha, then you read from the middle length surahs. And so that would be, for example, Wasama'i Dhatil Buruj. And those that are like that in length. So that's what's recommended. And it's good at any time for any prayer always to read Surah Al-Kafirun and Qul Huwallahu Ahad. And if you can't think of anything else or if you don't know anything else, then they are good always and particularly in the two rakahs before the Fajr prayer, in the two Sunnah rakahs after the Tawaf, the circumambulation of the Kaaba, when you are greeting the mosque and at any other time. It's important that you don't connect the end of the surah with the takbir that you make for when you go into the rukur, into the bowing motion. So you don't say, for example, لَمْ يَلِدْ وَلَمْ يُولَدْ وَلَمْ يَقُلْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدَ اللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ Okay, you don't do that. So you finish your surah, لَمْ يَلِدْ وَلَمْ يُولَدْ وَلَمْ يَقُلْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدَ Allahu Akbar. So you make a space between them. And the length of that space should be equivalent to the length of Subhanallah. That's just a general guideline. So that's another place where you will make a pause. And it's really important to remember too that the prayer that's being described here is the perfect prayer. So we strive to perfect our prayer in this manner. And we do our best and inshallah know that sometimes we don't always get to do it like this because we're in a rush or we've got children climbing all over our back or we're in an office at work, a spare room and other people need to come in and you're like, subhanAllah, you better rush through your prayer or whatever it is, is your situation. We don't always get to perform the prayer the way that we would want to. And so it's important that we do know how to perfect it and inshallah that we try and do that whenever we can, inshallah, and we ask Allah for ease in all our affairs. Imam Ghazali tells us to be from the beginning to the end of our prayer. He says, 
mutriqan, qasiran nadaraka ala musallak. So we've taken this before where your head should be bowed and you should look to the place of your sujood, to your prostration, and keep your eyes there because a head that is lowered is a sign of a person's humbleness and khushu. And it also, he says, fadalika ajma'u himmatik. So what it does is it really gathers your heart in the most proper way. And also, if you look around in your prayer, then you run the risk of actually making it invalid. And it said that if you look away three times, then Allah will look away from you. And so we need to keep focused and keeping our eyes down actually enables us to maintain that. And Imam Ghazali says, وَإِيَّاكَ أَن تَلْتَفِتَ يَمِينًا وَشِمَالًا فِي صَلَاتِكَ And be aware of not looking to your right or your left in your prayer. Then he says, وَكَبِّرْ لِلْرُّكُوعَ So then you say, Allahu Akbar, to go into your ruku'ah. And you raise your hands, as it was mentioned before. And that when you say, Allahu Akbar, then you lengthen it until you have reached your position in your bowing. And the reason for that is so that you never leave a portion of your prayer without dhikr. That's what Imam Ujawi tells us. Now the interesting thing here is that the word as-salah in its lexical form actually means dua. So the prayer is a form of dua and a form of dhikr, of remembrance. And the thing is that that lexical word, that everyday vocabulary word, has also got a technical meaning, which is exactly what we are describing here, this performance of the prayer. And there are many, many words like that in Arabic which have a lexical and a technical meaning. So that's called a lugha meaning and an istilahi meaning. So istilah or mustalah means a technical term or a technical definition which is attached to that word which originally only had a lexical meaning. So salah itself means dua and that's what the whole prayer is. It's, it's a seeking, it's a beseeching Allah and it's a remembrance of Him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, and establish the prayer for my remembrance. So when you lengthen your takbir, then you are fulfilling that and not leaving a portion of it without those essential characteristics or ingredients. Then he says, when you go into your bowing position, put your hands on your knees and your fingers should be just comfortably and naturally spread. And this is the most important part and this is really the, the rukan of that particular act. So regardless of how bad your back is or how big your pregnant belly is, then you at least need to get your hands on your knees. Okay, And if you are sitting or if you are lying down or whatever way that you're performing, at least do that and then inshallah your ruku'ah will be valid. And if at all possible, your back... And your neck and your head should all be flat like a board. They should all be like one line. So you shouldn't have an arched back. And you shouldn't have your head drooping or dropping so that you're kind of, you know, half looking between your legs behind you. Nothing like that. It, you should all be like a flat board, like an ironing board if possible. And it's said that if you placed a glass of water on your back, then it wouldn't fall off. So maybe we all need to do a bit more Pilates to try and achieve that, inshallah. Now, the important thing too is once we've moved out of our standing position and gone into our bowing position, is what do we do with our elbows? 
And this is the same for the rukur, for the bowing, and for the prostration, for the sujud. So men are able to put their elbows out a bit and to uh, spread their limbs a bit more. But women, no. We should always have our elbows in and tucked in and all our body parts held closely together and we don't spread them out. And there's a little bit more of an explanation in a moment when we get to the sujood, inshallah. And Imam Ghazali says, Wajafi mirfaqayka an jambayk. Walmar'atu la taf'alu dhalika bal tadummu ba'daha ila ba'd. So he says the men can spread their elbows away from their sides, but the woman doesn't do that. Instead, she brings all her limbs together. Imam Jawi says, فَتَلْسِكُوا مِرْفَقَيْهَا بِجَمْبَيْهَا So she sticks her elbows to her sides. Then when you're in that position, you say, سُبْحَانَ رَبِّ الْعَظِيمِ Three times. And if you are alone, you can say more than that. The imam should always limit it to three because that's the sunnah. And of course, the imam needs to take into account the circumstances of the people praying behind him. And Al-Jawi tells us that if you read it once, it's enough to have achieved the performance of the sunnah, but it's disliked. You should read it at least three times, inshallah. And that's the minimum, subhanahu rabbil Then you lift your head and you rise up again to a standing position and you lift your hands the way that you lifted them before up to your shoulders like you did in the takbir and you say sami allahu liman hamida allah hears the one who praises him then imam ghazali says that when you have stood up straight then you say rabbana lakal hamd mil as-samawati wa mil al-ard and you don't extend your standing position like that, except if you're praying Salat al-Tasbih, which we haven't gone into yet, which is a nafil prayer, like a supererogatory prayer. You don't extend it um, beyond the saying of that. Or if you don't know the whole dua, then you say, Rabbana al-Hamd. And that means... And that means, O oh, our Lord, to you is praise, filling the heavens and the earth and filling whatever you will thereafter. At this point, Imam Ghazali goes into the kunut, which is a supplication that you make in the second rakah. So you've prayed the first one, then you pray the second one. And when you come up into that standing position from the bowing in the second rakah, then you make this particular dua. And it is, Allahumma ahdini fi man hadayt wa aafini fi man aafayt wa tawallani fi man tawallayt wa barik li fi ma a'tayt wa qini sharra ma qadayt fa innaka taqdi wa la yuqda alayk wa innahu la yadillu man walayt wa la ya'izzu man aadayt tabarakta rabbana wa ta'alayt and then you say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala ali Muhammadin wa sallim. And that dua is read for a calamity specifically or just in general. And in the Shafi Madhab, it's always read in the Fajr prayer. And it means, O oh my Lord, guide me among those whom you have guided and grant me well-being among those to whom you have granted well-being and take care of me among those whom you take care of. And bless me in what you have given me and protect me from the evil of what you have ordained. 
For truly you decree, and no one decrees over you, and verily the one you befriend is never debased, and the one you hold in enmity will never be honoured. Glory to you, our Lord, and exalted are you. There are different rulings on that in the different schools of thought, but in the Shafi Madhab that is when it is read. Then, regardless of whether you're in the first rakah or the second rakah or the third or the fourth, after you have stood up from your bowing, you then go into prostration and you say Allahu Akbar without raising your hands. And then there is a particular way of lowering yourself to the ground. And as we said, this is the optimal way if you can, that first of all, you put your knees on the ground, followed by your hands, then your forehead, which should be uncovered. Then the nose should touch the ground with the forehead and you, for a man, he should keep his elbows away from his sides and his stomach separate from the top of his thighs. However, a woman should not do this. A woman should place her elbows on top of her thighs and she should keep herself and her limbs as uh, close as possible. So all pulled in as much as possible. So you place your hands on the ground level with your shoulders and you don't lay your forearms on the ground. So if somebody does that, it's incorrect. It's only your hands, the palm of your hands that should be on the ground. And then you say, Subhana Rabbi Ala, glory be to the Lord Most High, three times or seven or ten times if you are by yourself. Now there are seven limbs that need to be on the ground. So when we say seven limbs, then there's actually six of those in pairs. Okay, so the one is the head, the forehead, which includes the nose. And then we have our two knees, our two hands, and our toes. Now again in the Shafi Madhab, it's very important that your toes are facing the Qibla. In other madhabs, such as the Maliki Madhab, they don't place much importance on the position of the feet. And so they're very casual about that. However, in the Shafi Madhab, they're not casual about that at all. And your feet have to be your the soles of your feet and your heels raised up, not tipping over side to side, but actually raised up straight. And your toes should be facing the Qibla as well. When it comes to the part of the forehead being exposed, there's often a question of, oh, if I'm out in public and I wear niqab or whatever I need to do and I don't want to show my face, then what do I do about that? Now, in the Shafi Madhab, you do show your face, okay, because a part of your forehead needs to be uncovered. And so the thing is that you could pull your niqab up and it could perhaps take the top part of your forehead, but you need to have an area probably just above in the middle of your eyebrows at least which is exposed so that that actually touches the ground. And that's a wajib, that's an obligatory part of the prayer. And your hands also should be uncovered. So I have heard different opinions on that. But the majority opinion is that your hands should be uncovered. So if you customarily wear gloves or because of viruses, etc., you are wearing any type of gloves, you do need to take them off to pray. Okay, then you raise your head up off the ground saying Allahu Akbar. Then you go into a sitting position and you sit back on your left ankle. Okay, so... Or you can sit like on your haunches, but the proper sunnah way is to just sit a little bit more on the left foot or the left ankle. 
without dropping right down to the ground so that your hip is on the ground. So you do that in the last sitting when you're about to finish. This one in between the two sajdas, between the two prostrations, you just sit a bit on the left hand side. And then you go back, you say Allahu Akbar, and then you go back into the next sujood, the next prostration. But before that, there's also a dua that you can make. And it is, Rabbik firli, warhamni, warzukani, wahdini, wajburni, wa'afini, wa'afu anni. The translation for that is, O Lord, forgive me and have mercy on me, provide for me and guide me. Heal me, grant me well-being and pardon me. Then you prostrate the second time in the same manner. And then if you are continuing to go up into the next rakah, then you actually come back and sit for a moment before you stand up. Now most people will go straight from the prostrating position and jump up immediately and go into the next rakah. And you can do that, but you miss the sunnah of actually sitting just for a moment and then standing up. And so if you do sit back and then stand, then when you do go to rise up, you place your hands on the ground. But as Imam Ghazali says, not putting one of your legs before the other while rising. And then you begin the takbir, Allahu Akbar, when you are near the end of the sitting in that resting position and you prolong it until you reach halfway up in the standing position. So the sitting should be very brief, okay, and then you will go into, once you're up again, you'll perform the second rakah as you did the first, and he reminds us to repeat, Audhu Billahi Shaitanir Rajeem, before we begin the second rakah. Then after you've completed that in the way that you completed the first one, then you sit for the tashahud. So for example, if this is the Fajr prayer and you're going to finish all the way through, then you will put your right hand on your right thigh with the fingers closed, except for the index finger and the thumb, which are left spread out. So you have those two out and the other three closed, the other three fingers closed. And then when you say, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah, then when you say illallah, you raise your finger. Because what you're saying is, I believe that there is no God except Allah. So you don't say it when you say, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah, that there is no God. You don't raise it there. You raise it when you say, except Allah, illallah. And your left hand should be on the top of your left thigh just with your fingers comfortably and naturally spread out and then when you're in the final tashahud the very last part then you sit actually on your left haunch so your left hip and haunch should be on the ground and your left foot should be going out from under you and you keep the right foot erect if you can so for people who've come into Islam later in life and didn't grow up sitting in that position, such as myself, it can be quite difficult to sit like that because the muscles just haven't been trained. If you're very flexible, you should be able to manage it. And if you have children or those who are able to do and learn those moves, then you should encourage them to sit like that. And I recommend that you actually go on the internet and have a look for a picture um, as to how that would look. Then you complete the transmitted well-known supplication, the Salat Ibrahimiyah, and you finish with sending 
blessings on the Prophet ﷺ. Then when you finish your prayer, and this is most important, that you actually intend to finish your prayer. So you need to have that intention in your heart that now I'm going to finish my prayer. And so you turn to the right and you say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. And Imam Ghazali tells us that you should turn so far that if someone is sitting behind you, they should be able to see the side of your cheek. And then you turn to the left and say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. And the same, that the person should be able to see that side of your cheek or the side, like the full profile of your face. That's how much you should turn your head. And at the same time, you should have it in your heart. Not only do you intend to finish your salah now, but that you intend to greet the angels and the Muslims on your right-hand side when you turn to the right and those of them on your left-hand side when you turn to the left. Then Imam Ghazali reminds us, as we took in our previous episode, that the imad al-salah, so that the pillars of the prayer are humility, khushu' wa hudur al-qalb, and the presence of the heart, together with the recitation of the Qur'an and the remembrance of Allah, he says, ma'al qira'ati wa dhikri bit-tafahum. So with the reading and remembrance with tafahum, which is comprehension. And that's very important that we actually know what we're saying. He says here that Hassan al-Basri, may Allah have mercy on him, one of the great scholars and knowers of Allah from the generation of the Tabi'een, those who came after the Sahaba, he said that every prayer, كُلُّ صَلَاتٍ لَا يَحْضُرُ فِيهَا الْقَلْبُ فَهِيَا إِلَى الْعُكُوبَةِ أَسْرَعُ which means that every prayer in which the heart is not present is more likely to receive punishment than reward. So we need to be aware of that. And that the Prophet ﷺ said, and we took this last time or the last part of this in the last episode where he said indeed the slave of Allah performs the prayer and not even a sixth or a tenth of it is recorded for him verily only as much of a slave's prayer as he is conscious of is recorded for him. Imam Ujawi mentions another hadith that's recorded in the collection of Ibn Majah from Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu where he said abda fil ta'ala and Imam Jawi gives us the meaning of that and he says that if a person the worshipper of Allah prays a fard prayer or a nafl prayer where other people can see him and he perfects that prayer with what he is required to perform of it and he doesn't show off in that and then he prays where nobody can see him so he's on his own and he prays his prayers and he perfects his prayer in that by the performance of all the arkans or all the pillars of the prayer and its conditions and everything that's recommended of it such as having presence of heart etc and that he stands there in the presence of Allah fulfilling what has been required 
and staying away from that which has been ordered of him to stay away from, then Allah praises him. And that he spreads that praise of him amongst the angels and that they love him. And then that love, Allah's love, falls into the hearts of the people of the earth and that indeed this is the person, this is the worshipper who was described as being the one who stands with obedience and that he is indeed the true servant of Allah. So we ask Allah to make us of those inshallah whose prayer is perfect regardless of wherever we are that we're not affected in any way by other people or by the situation and that we have true presence of heart in our worship inshallah. Just to conclude I want to go back to the title of these two episodes which we've named Arihna Biha Ya Bilal as we've mentioned so comfort us or delight us by it by the prayer Ya Bilal and inshallah we want that to really manifest because if not then we could very easily fall into being of those people who say Arihna Minha which means what? Make us be comfortable from it okay literally which means let's get this over and done with as soon as possible so my comfort will come when i'm rid of this thing when this thing is gone and being done and it's really important not to have that get it over and done with attitude when it comes to our prayer especially because this is something that we do every day and to not let it fall into just one of those routine practices like brushing your teeth or uh, making coffee in the morning or any of those things that you know you could do blindfolded and so we want to make sure inshallah that we are as awake as possible and as present as possible and that we never have that attitude of oh, I'll just pray quickly and just get it over and done with and even though sometimes our circumstances dictate to us that that's how it has to go and we do have to pray quickly inshallah we should at the very least not like to be in that state and also, regardless of that, pray and fulfill what we can uh, of the performance of the prayer to the best of our ability with the correct state of heart, inshallah. So we ask Allah to make us of his true servants, of his true worshippers, and that our prayer should be a witness for us and not against us, and that it should be accepted, and that our sunnah prayers should make up for any deficiencies in our fard prayers when our prayer is looked at on the Day of Judgment. And if there is a deficiency, then it will be asked, are there extra prayers? Are there any nawafil that can go to adding to this and fulfilling the record of this person? So we ask that we are able to fulfill as many sunnah prayers as possible so that they will complete any deficiencies in our obligatory prayer and that indeed we should be of those who find true comfort and true delight and true joy and true love in our prayer and we ask that the Prophet should manifest to the greatest extent possible for ourselves, for our loved ones, for our children, for our families and for all the Muslims until the end of time, inshallah, and that we realize and actualize the meaning of the prayer and that its benefit is spread far and wide within ourselves and our communities, inshallah. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen subhanaka allahumma wa bihamdik ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik 
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.